When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, when you're talking about a quarterback's decision-making, what all does that entail? Specifically regarding the passing game post-snap is progression reads, um, where his eyes go through the eligibles in an effort to distribute the ball. But there's a lot of components to quarterback decision-making. It could be pre-snap. You could have pass-pass opportunities, run-pass opportunities, run-run opportunities. In an effort to get to an optimum play, oftentimes the quarterback has a latitude based on what he sees between two options. Um, So there's some pre-snap decision-making that come with the position from play selection uh, in today's game. Um, There's some post-snap decision-making that's primarily done in the passing game, but in, in, in cases such as RPO football like we're playing this week, um, there are some post-snap run-pass options that, that fall on the shoulders of that position as well. At the NFL level, how does a coach work with a quarterback to improve his decision-making? I, I think you can continually improve that. First of all, it's, it's the physical reps, the in-helmet perspective. Um, Week in and week out, the visual keys are, are ever-changing because depending on who you play, the coverages and so forth are changing. So you could be repeatedly doing the same things or repeatedly the same concepts, but the, the coverage emphasis of the week might take you through a different progression. And so it is continual work. You're always working to put eight pounds in a five-pound bag, as we say, from a pro- progression growth perspective. I mean, do you sit down with the guy and show – is it a show him thing or a talk to him it's thing? It's all the teach and learning tools. Um, it starts first and foremost in the classroom. Then it goes through walk through the walkthrough stage and then the running stage that occurs in a practice setting. I think as teachers, particularly at this level, um, we have to be ready to use all the levels of teaching and learning, classroom, walkthrough, practice, and we really – we really reflect that in all three phases in terms of uh, the things that we do. Okay. It would seem to me, though, you could certainly judge this uh, by how it, uh, a certain play turns out. But when it comes to decision-making, what's the difference between throwing the ball to a receiver to make a combat catch, give him a chance to make a combat catch, as opposed to forcing the ball into coverage? Depends on the outcome of the play, <laughs> the perspective of who's commentating, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, there's a thing that we refer to as pro open. <laughs> and um, a lot of these plays are combat catch plays or put the ball on the right nipple as opposed to the left nipple. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's cut that fine from time to time. And that just speaks to the competitive nature of the game at this level. So, I mean, as, as you said, though, if you're, if you're sitting there watching a game, today's game as an example, uh, the difference in the decision-making, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, is the outcome of the play. The perception of the decision-making. Okay. If you're looking at it from the outside in, you don't know the inner workings of the concept okay. or the correct pro- progression, then you're making some of those assumptions. But for those of us that are on the inside and a component of prep, there, there certainly is a progression open or combat catch-wise or, or otherwise 
you know, they're, they're more definitive answers when you're a component of the of the process. Uh, with regard to the significance of today's game, would you refer to it as must win? You know, I know what you mean, uh, but man, I have that mindset every week. I do. Um, I just been in it so long. I know the urgency of of the 17 weekends and and the opportunities. Um, I understand exactly what you mean. There's direct ramifications in terms of who walks out of this bowl successful and who doesn't. Um, But just from a mindset standpoint, I think those of us that have been in in this business for any length of time carry that urgency week in and week out. The concept of a team playing complementary football during a game or through a season is important to success in the NFL. How much of a team's ability to do that comes from that team's mental toughness? Um, it's mental toughness, but, but, but that's just a component of it. It's teeing those circumstances up in, in preparation um, and collective awareness regarding when those moments are and how significant they are. Um, and, and so, you know, we train our units in a lot of ways um, to do that. Um, offenses strike when the defense uh, provides them the short field or the special teams unit provides them the short field. Miles Killebrew brought the punt last week, man. We we pushed the ball in for a touchdown. Our inability to do so um, on Mike Walker's interception, for example, is, are, are oftentimes the differences difference in a football game. And so um, you got to seize opportunity. You got to build upon momentum. You got to put fires out from a defensive perspective. Um, our inability to hold them to a field goal um, after um, Drabil Peppers. Interception is, a, is another example. Um, we hold them to a field goal on that short field possession as opposed to allowing them to score in that instance. That's the difference in the game. And so complementary football, man, um, you know in the National Football League week in and week out, oftentimes the outcome of the games come down to a sequence of plays or a small number of plays that you can identify. Many times those plays are in and around and after sudden change. When you were asked whether it was a problem that George Pickens has openly voiced his frustration on the sideline during games, you said, quote, it's a problem because it's not solution-oriented. How do you get him to a place where those things are more solution-oriented? Education. Education. Um, He and I had a great meeting this week, man. We were just talking about, you know, the New England Patriot agenda. Uh, I'm familiar with the agenda because I've just been a component of it in the past, man. When you got a dynamic player – Oftentimes, man, from a game plan perspective, you'll pick a block of time or a block of plays where you're just going to deny that guy the ball um, and make others beat you. And and the agenda, obviously, is to keep the ball out of the hands of a significant player, but also if it's a significant player to create angst within him and within their unit. The quarterback feels pressure to get him the ball and and to have him included. He feels pressure because he wants his talents to be a part of of moving the football. And so I've been a part of it because, you know, to be quite honest with you, I was a secondary coach, man, in the black and blue division back in the day when we played Randy Moss. And, you know, from time to time we'd say, first quarter, anybody gets it but Randy. Fourth quarter, anybody gets it but Randy. Um, and I've just been a part of that. Um, obviously that mentality has grown over the years and, you know, um, you see people employ it all the time, you know. A couple years ago, we played the L.A. Rams. We said anybody but Cooper Cup, for example. Um, And so it's an education component that comes with it in terms of managing 
frustration. Um, certainly it's easy to say, be mature, don't get frustrated. It's part of the game. But he needs to understand it is an agenda. It is a game plan. It is something that's constructed to break him and the unit down. And that's why it's so important that he manages the frustration component of it. Um, A.B. saw a lot of it, you know. Um, I used to always, you know, joke with A.B., man, second quarter is a big quarter because, you know, the first quarter of the game, man, people are not going to, you know, allow him a known entity to to to, to be significant. Um, it's a tactic that's employed often when you're talking about significant players or guys with unique talent in one-on-one circumstances. You can do it for a block of time. It is very difficult to keep up over the course of 60 minutes, and that's the educational component um, that, that, you, that you talk to a player about. You let frustration win. You're not there for the final 15 minutes that might be the significant ones where you catch three for 90 in a tug. And, and so um, it's an education component to it uh, as well. You have no in-stadium experience with Gardner Minshew, who starts a quarterback for the Colts today. What has your video study revealed about him as a quarterback? Moxie, that intangible quality. Um, and not just the tape, but just, you know, the number of cities he's had success in, how his teammates uh, feel about him, how he's been able to endear himself to people in a variety of circumstances. That staff's desire to take him from Philadelphia to Indianapolis, it all speaks to intangible quality and moxie, things that are beyond the measurable, uh, the measurables. It's leadership, it's, it's, it's football intellect, it's uh, improv ability. Um, some of those things show up on tape, but I can imagine that all of those things are a component of his profile. Um, that's why he's had the success he's had uh, in a variety of places. You, you just respect it. Um, you respect it. You understand he's a anticipatory thrower. Um, you got to be disciplined. Um, we got to mix things up. Um, but more than anything, you just go in knowing that there's an intangible quality to him uh, and it's to be respected. Minka Fitzpatrick is a talented and versatile component of your secondary. With someone like him, is he more valuable as a piece used consistently to minimize a specific aspect of the opponent's passing game or as a guy who lines up in different spots and is used all over, which might make him more difficult for the offense to avoid? Um, Both, to be quite honest with you. Sometimes it's exclusively uh, your issues and, and related to you. Um, you got an A player doing A things, you allow them to do it. Or sometimes you want to create um, angst and, and post-snap reads for the quarterback and you do interchangeable parts and you move a player that your opponents might be concerned about around where they don't know where he is. Sometimes it's very opponent-specific. Um, he's got some talents. You want to match him up on certain people in man circumstances. You take him and, and, and do that. You, you want him in the middle of the field or in a half field in zone circumstances. And so based on, on things that your opponent might do, um, there are a lot of variables in the discussion. Some, some of the variables are exclusively um, self-related or team-related. Some are exclusively uh, opponent-related. Uh, usually it's a combination of those that dictate what, what lane you're in week in and week out. He's got to be a pretty special individual to be able to handle that, right? And, and not only that, um, but who plays with him. 
it was a component of a unique relationship with Troy Palomalu and Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark had a unique skill set because he played with special guys like Troy and Sean Taylor. And um, his versatility and intellect um, provided the versatility that allowed those guys to move around. If you got one guy moving, um, there's somebody else that that's versatile and allows that to happen. Um, Cam Sutton was very versatile for us um, when he was here. Um, that's why it was important to get a veteran guy like Pat Pat Peterson, um, who's got really good football intellect, to provide that same versatility, um, so we can be interchangeable parts at times to highlight the skill set of a guy um, like Minka. How would you describe Zach Moss's style and his strengths as a running back? First of all, his he's got a really good base. Um, his feet are never together. Um, what does that mean? It means that he gets yards after contact and he's not an easy tackle. Um, he's got a really good base about him. He's built like a running back. Um, secondarily, man, he's got good vision um, and patience. Uh, he's patient enough to allow holes to develop. Um, he doesn't miss a lot of holes. Um, we're pretty familiar with him, obviously, because we've seen a lot of him when he was in Buffalo. That's the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. Subscribe and download new episodes every week and check out all of the other shows we have to offer on the Steelers Podcast Network that's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.